You know, usually at this time of year, we turn to the Gospel of Luke and read the story from Luke's perspective, but this morning we're in the Gospel of Matthew and we have a chance to see this unfolding drama of God from Matthew's perspective. So I invite you to listen for God's Word as it comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Well, when Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had born a son, and he named him Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer together? Gracious and loving God, we come in this season of scurrying about with so many things to do. And we come and ask that you would meet with us here and speak to us. That you would help us to lay aside all the activities and for this period of time to listen for you. Speak to us now as only a living God can, we pray. Amen. Not my dream, she said to the other associate pastors on the staff when she was asked to participate in a planning meeting for a ministry to seniors. Not my dream. In fact, whenever someone has an idea for her that she doesn't like, she simply smiles and says, not my dream. And it has a way of redirecting the conversation. It's a little disarming. Jenny's the newest pastor on the staff of a large Lutheran church. She has little power in that structure to say no, so instead she just declares quite simply and with a big smile, not my dream. She shifts the conversation, and it's very effective. In other words, I have other priorities I need to embrace, and your dream for me is not my dream for me. Now, we all have dreams. We all have dreams of what life will look like in the future. We may see ourselves in a better place, maybe attending the college of our choice and our dreams. Or maybe it's simply driving a better car in a better house, or maybe it's having a better boyfriend or girlfriend or having better health. 
Or maybe it's the hope of a better portfolio for our investments. Dreams have a way of directing our efforts and keeping us focused. Not my dream. That's just a way of limiting the dissipation of the energy of life. Now, the Bible is full of stories of dreamers. There's the story of Jacob who left home and fell asleep on a rock dreaming that he saw this ladder reaching up into the heavens all the way from heaven to earth. So he named that place Bethel, which means house of God. Then there's the story of another Joseph in the Old Testament, the one with the coat of many colors. He dreamt his brothers were going to serve him. What kid doesn't dream about his siblings having to obey orders? But as you know, it didn't turn out very well for that first Joseph because his brothers were already fed up with him and the special favors that their father extended to him, so they sold him into slavery. Then there's the story of Samuel, who was working with Eli in the temple, and one night while he's sleeping, he hears this name calling to him on several occasions. So he quickly goes to Eli to inquire what he wanted, and finally the fourth time Eli told him to simply respond, speak your servant is listening. The Lord was speaking to him in his sleep. Dreams can be powerful. The biblical story is filled with stories of dreamers who hear the voice of God. So in the darkness of sleep, Joseph, now the one who will take Mary as his wife and is present at the birth of Christ, he lets go of his own dreams, and he begins to embrace the dream that God has for him and for the entire world. He doesn't walk away from the controversy, but instead believes that somehow the Lord is in the midst of it. So instead of washing his hands of the whole affair and pursuing life with another wife that would preserve his reputation his standing in the community, Joseph embraces the mess he finds himself in. And it's no fault of his own that he's there. But that mess becomes the birthplace of the Savior. Now, how unexpected is that? Joseph may have started with, look, not my dream. But he eventually comes to embrace God's dream for him. Now it's clearly overwhelming sometimes when our dreams of what our lives will become are broken. Our minds begin to spin out of control and even our sleep becomes fitful and restless. We become exhausted by the turmoil within us when our dreams are shattered. But sometimes there's a blessing in all of that because finally we let go of our own effort to control all of life. Sometimes it's a blessing when we finally let go and we're open and finally willing to listen. In sleep, Joseph is open. There's nothing more he can do to make things right. 
his own dreams shattered, he instead hears the voice of God and God's dream for the future. And this angel tells him, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid. That's always what has to be said to people when God is intervening in their lives. Don't be afraid. You know, several years ago during World War II, there was a young German theologian, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was asked to lead the confessing church movement in Germany and to lead a small seminary in Finkenwald where students and their professors lived together in community. This was in opposition to the German Christian church that had rallied to the support of the Nazi cause. So Bonhoeffer lived and studied with his students, and they learned a great deal about community, especially a community of faith that's under threat. He writes about it in his little book entitled Life Together, and he writes this about dreams. The serious Christian set down for the first time in Christian community is likely to bring with him a very definite idea of what Christian life together should be and then try to realize it. But God's grace speedily shatters such dreams. Just as surely as God desires to lead us to a knowledge of genuine Christian fellowship, so surely must we be overwhelmed by a great disillusionment with others, with Christians in general, and if we're fortunate, with ourselves. By sheer grace, God will not permit us to live even for a brief period in a dream world. And then he goes on to claim, he who loves his dream of community more than the Christian community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter, even though his personal intentions may be ever so honest and earnest and sacrificial. End quote. See, when our dreams are shattered, sometimes it's actually the beginning of something even better and more wondrous than we imagined. Life is infinitely more complex than we think. It's not my dream of the church, but God's dream of the church that matters most. I'm called to act towards the Christian community in a loving way, to build it up. Not to stand apart from it and criticize it because it doesn't live up to my dream of what it should be. Giving up our dreams is difficult. Joseph wakes up one day to find his life wrecked. His fiancée is pregnant. His trust is betrayed. His future is revoked. His name is ruined his dreams are shattered. And law and honor demand that he break off the engagement. But to do so publicly on the grounds of infidelity would humiliate Mary and would cause her untold economic and social harm. So he decides to just kind of divorce her quietly. Sort of a irreconcilable differences, no-fault divorce then perhaps they could begin to rebuild their lives in private. 
It's overwhelming when our dreams are broken. We struggle with fear and grief. And our minds spin out of control and our sleep is fitful and sleepless and restless and we're exhausted by the turmoil within us. We're tempted to divorce ourselves from it all. But sometimes there's a blessing because finally we let go of our efforts to control it all and we become open, willing to listen. We surely can recall a time when we felt like we were living a life we didn't bargain for and hadn't planned on. We can probably all relate to having our own plans for what we were going to do and who we were going to become and then waking up one day and finding our dreams broken too. We wonder how we ended up in this place or in this predicament. And sometimes when we're exhausted by our own efforts to live in the midst of some mess that our lives have become, we can faintly hear the voice of the Lord saying, don't be afraid. You're not alone. I'm with you to the very end, even in the midst of this. It may not be what you planned, but the Lord can be found in the midst of life's messiness. And the Lord may just be waiting for you to turn around and stop running away from it. You see, Joseph actually had to do something in this story. Mary, Mary's story is about what happens to her. I mean, her response is, let it happen to me as you say. Her story is more passive. But Joseph has to take Mary as his wife, allow this alternative future to unfold, believing that God is in it. Joseph had to take a stand and trust that there was no reason to be afraid because God would provide whatever was needed and he would survive the humiliation and the loss of his honor. In Luke's gospel, Mary gets all the attention. Matthew's gospel and account, it all hinges on what happens to Joseph. If Joseph awakens from his dream and believes the angel, everything's on. Mary will come home, have a family, and a child will be born. But if, Jesus, if Joseph doesn't believe, everything's off. If he awakens from his dream, shakes his head, goes to the courthouse, and files divorce papers, then Mary's out. Disgraced. Possibly disowned by her family, left to scratch out a life and a living however she can as a single mom, feeding herself and her illegitimate child with whatever she can beg, borrow, or steal. See, the fact is, the child is Joseph's until Joseph says otherwise. Whether or not the child is his biologically or not, according to Jewish law, the child becomes Joseph's when he says so. Because the issue is not fundamentally biological, it's legal. 
So according to Matthew, Joseph's belief is as crucial as Mary's womb. It takes two parents to give birth to this remarkable child. Mary to give him life, and Joseph to give him a name. Jesus, son of David. You know, those of us who are parents know what this is like. Many parents know that there is great joy in seeing your children become successful. It's like watching a rocket take off. And when the launch is successful, you don't really care that much about how scorched you were on the launch pad during the liftoff. You see, the truth is that each of us, like Joseph and Mary, have to be willing to believe the absurd proposition that God works in the mess of life. That God works through our broken dreams. We need to have that kind of faith that Joseph had, who was able to live with paradox and incomplete understanding and not divorce himself from it all, walking away from it in search of an easier life or a larger, more glamorous role. The Spirit of the Lord struggles to be born in us, not in spite of our imperfect lives and struggles, but in many ways through them, in ways that contradict our preconceived ideas of what life should look like. The Christmas story is a mystery about God's intervention in life that invites us, like Joseph, to participate in the dream the Lord has for healing the world. And that mystery includes the paradox that the birth of God requires human partners like Mary and Joseph and you and me, willing to believe the impossible that our story is part of God's unfolding story of salvation for the world. The ordinary, our ordinary lives become bearers of something extraordinary. So what bigger vision is God leading you to embrace this Christmas season of your own life? How might you participate in the Lord's plan for healing the world? You see, God is with us in Jesus Christ, and God is leading us towards a future with hope. Don't miss the gift of God's love in this season as we scurry about with so much to do. Leave some room in your life for the dreams of what God may yet do. And then maybe one day you'll be talking with a friend about a time in your life that you didn't think you were going to make it. Life was too difficult. The decisions were too hard. Their journey back was so tough it wasn't worth it. 
And you'll tell them how you felt trapped by your circumstances and you could see no way out. And then your friend will take a look at you and see that you're still breathing, you're still living, you're still going on with your life. And they may well ask you, well, what changed? How did you get through it? Was it really as rough as you say it was for you? And you may answer, it wasn't my dream. Yes, it really was that rough. And I didn't think I was going to make it. But God was with me. Emmanuel.